breaking news and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. And what a day after what a night, uh, a night of pure political indulgence. It actually a total of three hours of it. And uh, that's because if you didn't try to watch President Trump's conversation with Tucker Carlson at the same time you were watching the debate, you could always tune to it and watch it afterward and savor every single minute. Uh, there was a, um, a, a piece that just came out from the uh, media's touch, uh, and it uh, says Civil War, Dick Jokes, and Washing Machines. Tucker Carlson interviews Donald Trump. Uh, don't forget, in that interview, they also dealt with, at the very beginning, the murder of Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, and giving away the Panama Canal for one dollar, and it was fascinating. Uh, if you had any reaction last night to the Trump-Tucker colloquy, the meeting of the minds, uh, you can give us a call, 1-800-955-1776. Or if you're ready to declare a winner or a loser uh, for the big Republican debate with the eight candidates who were up there, I um uh, I actually had a somewhat different point of view than many of the people who were watching the show. I uh, uh, I thought that uh, there were a couple of people who did exceptionally well and one individual who did exceptionally poorly. Who would it be? Well, uh, we can get to that and we will play highlights and lowlights of the debate coming up. Uh, there's also a piece today which uh, echoes something that Chris Sununu, Chris Sununu is a very, very important person in the early stages of this presidential race. You don't know why? Because he's the most popular politician in New Hampshire. He just set an all-time record for getting votes and getting reelected as governor. He is leaving the governorship. He is a Republican governor in what has been a very swing and swingy state, I hope he's succeeded by Kelly Ayotte, the former U.S. Senator who's running for governor in New Hampshire. Governor Sununu is going to be joining us uh, just a, a little bit later because he uh, very much agrees with what Karl Rove wrote today, which is under the headline, Trump looks beatable in early states. The idea last night and I, I think that it made it very clear, uh, is that this is a wide open race. It's wide open for the nomination, and it's wide open for the general election. Uh, nobody, I, I know that there are people out there, there's a former Democratic congressman who wrote a piece for the Hill uh, website where he said the one who is smiling today is Joe Biden. And uh, basically, I think the idea of that is that, well, the Republicans were arguing with one another. They, they couldn't even uh, raise their hands and agree on something as fundamental as that climate change is a concern. Climate change is a very big concern for the public. It's no longer listed at the very, very bottom of people's concerns. And again, they set it up at Fox the Marsha, Martha McCallum and uh, Brett Baer 
uh, set up the climate change question uh, by talking about all the people who were missing in action or who were burned to death in Hawaii and uh, the record uh, setting levels of heat and drought and difficulty. And when you set it up like that and then you ask people to, for a show of hands about how many people up here share the concern about climate change. I have to ask something more fundamental than that is do you think that uh, human beings and what people are, are doing and what people do are having an impact on the climate are having an impact on climate change and everybody agrees on that i mean beyond lomborg uh who comes on the show all the time who is one of the world's leading so-called climate skeptics he's not a climate change denier but he's skeptical about the level of the change he will say it is not a catastrophe, it is not the end of the world, it doesn't threaten the existence of civilization as we know it, but it's certainly a problem. And for goodness sake, um, one of the things that happened last night, as and this is at the very beginning, it's in the first 15 minutes of the debate, is that when that question was asked, they asked for a show of hands, how many people up here believe that climate change is caused in part by uh, human beings and again that's an obvious yes and yet they didn't get to give that obvious yes you know why it's because uh, Ron DeSantis in one of his several boneheaded moves that he made during the debate Ron DeSantis said well why are we raising our hands this is a light not a kindergarten we don't raise our hands like kindergarten we give our answers and uh, as a result of that, uh, you had no basis for actually turning around and saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. The Republican Party certainly believes in uh, energy exploitation. It doesn't believe in radical uh, Green New Deal projects. It doesn't believe in wrecking the economy for the sake of climate change. But we agree that we can do better with getting cleaner air, cleaner water, uh, and uh, less damage to the climate and reducing carbon emissions. Uh, otherwise, you're putting the Republican Party in a terrible place and a bad idea. Carl uh, Rove writes that Trump looks beatable in early states. Uh, was he beatable last night? No. All of the numbers that have come out so far, and none of them are that authoritative, uh, none of the numbers that have come out so far uh, show that they got as many people to watch the debate as ended up watching the 46-minute conversation between Tucker Carlson and uh, and Donald Trump. According to Reuters, the 46-minute conversation uh, drew a total of 74 million viewers, which, uh, and, and again, it was easy to get to, it was easy to find, and uh, basically, you just had to go to X, which is the former Twitter. But that is according to statistics on the platform formerly known as Twitter. Uh, 74 million views is a lot. And uh, if you had an impression of uh, what you learned from it, if there was anything in that colloquy between the two T's, Tucker and Trump, if there was anything there that changed your point of view, that made you more likely to support Trump or less likely to support Trump, uh, give us a call.
Uh, we'd love to get your impression as I'm trying to share mine. 1-800-955-1776. Uh, I think that w what was interesting about the conversation was it was obvious that Tucker and Trump like each other and respect each other. And I think that uh, the comfort between the two of them uh, was a big advantage that they had in that conversation <laughs> compared to the, the, the lack of comfort that uh, popped up among the various debaters in Milwaukee. And how about that? The, the one high point of the evening uh, that uh, has not gotten a great deal of attention, but I thought it reflected well on both individuals involved, is uh, Chris Christie jumped in. They had asked a question, and again, it was one of those show of hands questions. Do you think that um, Mike Pence did the right thing? and behaved as a person of conscience and behaved appropriately uh, on January 6th. And uh, basically everybody raised their hand and agreed. Uh, Tim Scott clearly thought he did the right thing, but Chris Christie did more than that. He came back and gave an entire tribute to Mike Pence. And a few moments of comedy and uh, congeniality, actually, they could have used more of that last night, don't you think? We'll be speaking to Governor Sununu of New Hampshire coming up on the Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, responding as the whole world is right now, to the debate last night, it was a two-hour debate. There was also, for an encore for people who looked it up, after the two-hour debate, there was a 46-minute conversation between Tucker and Trump and that brought up all kinds of interesting things. It was, as described by Maggie Haberman, a stream-of-consciousness kind of conversation without any discernible... A focus on policy at all. It, uh, I mean, un unless you believe that a misunderstanding about what happened in the election of 1796 uh, at a time when uh, Thomas Jefferson was elected vice president, um, <laughs> it, it, it's it, it was a it was an unusual interchange. Uh, we will get to that. Um, in terms of the main debate, I mentioned that I thought there was one clear loser, uh, somebody who hurt his campaign and uh, really destroyed any chance of rising to become the leading alternative to Trump, which is what all the Republicans are trying to do. Right now, there's no question that going into this debate, uh, that uh, Ron DeSantis was barely hanging on to his status as the serious alternative to Trump. And he was challenged uh, for that by uh, very effectively by somebody who had been rising in the polls, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, Vivek got a lot of attention last night. Most of it wasn't good. And it was very clear that uh, people up there on the stage didn't like him. And why wouldn't they like him? Well, because uh, Vivek uh, made a very big deal 
uh, about the idea that I'm the only candidate up here who's not bought and paid for, who is not a uh, a, a robotic repeater of uh, of of basically campaign consultants, and uh, his contempt for the other people he was running against was returned to him. And uh, actually, there were uh, a lot of very personal jibes back and forth. And one of the interesting things is that Vivek treated it as a virtue that he doesn't vote. And he's a citizen of the United States. He's born in the United States. His parents were born in India, but he's born here in the United States, so he's eligible to vote. And it does say something about his level of interest in the political process or in the Republican Party that you don't even bother to vote or to register as a Republican ever before. And he uh, did vote for President Trump in the last election, but apparently did not vote before that for uh, Mitt Romney or for John McCain uh, or for uh, or for Donald Trump the first time that he ran. Uh, Vivek introduced himself with a, a way that sounded familiar, and uh, Chris Christie picked up on it a little bit later in the debate. Here is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, talking to the oh tens of millions of American people who uh, watch that debate, and uh, uh, many of whom don't know or recognize his name or background. Uh, clip 15. Who the heck is this skinny guy with a funny last name, and what the heck is he doing in the middle of this debate stage? Well, the skinny kid with a funny name. Okay, the uh, skinny kid with a funny name, that second uh, thing that you heard, that was um, Barack Obama introducing himself as the keynote speaker at the uh, Democratic Convention in uh, 2004. Uh, you remember, that's the speech, a uh, very effective speech that made Obama a star and a presidential contender. Here's Chris Christie noticing the similarity about the skinny kids uh, with a funny name. Uh, here's Chris Christie. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change agenda is a hoax. The climate change agenda is a hoax. And we have to declare independence for it. And the reality is the anti-carbon agenda is the wet blanket on our economy. And so the reality is more people are dying of bad climate change policies than they are of actual climate right. change. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, What's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama, and I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. Come on, give me a hug. <laughs> give me a hug just same, like you did to Obama. The same type of amateur. And, and you'll help elect me just like you did to Obama, too. Okay, give me a hug just like you did Obama, talking about uh, what happened at the end of the uh, 2004 uh, campaign uh, with um, 
uh, wasn't 2004, it was the 2012 campaign uh, where uh, uh, during, after we talked about this superstorm Sandy, uh, Chris Christie toured uh, sites that had been devastated together with the President of the United States, uh, Barack Obama. Um, the uh, This is fascinating to me. Uh, after the debate, one of the people who was uh, wandering around the spin room uh, representing President Trump, even though President Trump, of course, wasn't there. He didn't come to the debate in Milwaukee. But in the spin room afterward, they have various uh, media people there who are covering the proceedings live and then celebrities. One of them uh, speaking on behalf of President Trump was Marjorie Taylor Greene, the congresswoman from Georgia. And she was talking with Matt Gates, another congressman from Florida, both strong Trump supporters, saying that Chris Christie was actually being racist against Ramaswamy. Uh, listen, clip 10. I was pretty disgusted at Chris Christie and his racist comment towards the Vic Ramaswamy, where he was like the only skinny guy. On, what did he say? He was comparing him, yeah, to, comparing Obama. him to Obama. Obama. Yeah, yeah. I, thought, I, I mean, I honestly thought that was pretty racist. I would have just turned, if I was the Vic, I would have turned to Chris Christie and said, I knew you would have gotten triggered by the skinny comment. <laughs> I would have just, I would have just put it we out there. That, that, that obviously, that was some Okay, uh, no, it was because Obama had made such a very similar comment, and it wasn't at the debate, it was at the Democratic Convention. Uh, there's more coming up, and uh, there are reasons why I, I do think that in terms of the negative response, the most negative response for any of the candidates... Uh, including Chris Christie, who is obviously going against a lot of Republicans who love President Trump. The negative response was focused on Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, we're going to be giving some positive response to Chris Sununu, the governor of uh, New Hampshire, who uh, is talking about how the New Hampshire primary could end up changing everything in this election. On the Michael Medved Show, it's a great honor and a privilege to welcome to the show the governor of New Hampshire. His name is Chris Sununu. He has been for several terms uh, one of the most popular governors in the United States. He's a strong Republican conservative governor in a state that has been very swingy back and forth between Democrats and Republicans. Uh, Governor Sununu, uh, you watched the debate last night. Uh, do you think that uh, we made any kind of forward progress for the Republican Party to clarifying uh, the the uh, potential nominee for our party? Uh, I think it was a huge step forward, and I'll tell you why. For the first time in six years, uh, Republican voters watched a stage with the future of the Republican Party, and Donald Trump wasn't in it. And people liked it. People said, oh, wait a minute, there's good ideas being batted back and forth. There's a lot of passion. There's leadership here. There's experience. It doesn't all have to be the Trump show. That was the first time in six years as a nation we got to see that. And what we're seeing in New Hampshire on the ground, what they're seeing in Iowa, that's, that's why Trump is only at 42 43% in our polls. 
because where the conversation is happening, people are realizing there's some great alternatives out there. Now, they have to narrow their field down. That's what my op-ed this past week was about, kind of the discipline of narrowing it down. And there's plenty of time to do that. But, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a huge opportunity. I think um, as these debates go on, even on the national stage, more and more folks will get engaged. You know, the Trump drama is going to keep, you know, that saga is going to keep on playing. But I just think it was so important for the Republican Party to show that uh, we could be incredibly successful in fixing this country, in repairing this country, in saving this country without that guy on top of the ticket. Well, what about the whoever the guy on top of the ticket is going to be? You say in your op-ed that you are going to be making an endorsement in New Hampshire, and that should be uh, very, very important. I know in the last election you were, ran 20 points ahead of Donald Trump, and you've won in landslides time after time after time in the Granite State. What are you going to be looking for primarily when you decide on a candidate that you will endorse for the GOP nomination? So first and foremost, we all need to be looking for a winner. All be... No, we, we should all be looking for a winner, somebody who can close the deal in November of 24. Beating Biden is the top, top priority. Biden, Trump Amen. Do it. Mathematically, it cannot happen. Uh, so first and foremost, somebody that can carry us all the way through. Um, someone that can galvanize uh, independence, that gets young voters and the next generation excited, and that holds those conservative values. And all those candidates up there can do it. All those candidates that are great conservative. Some have more experience in one area than another. I'm more governor-leaning, uh, right, and, and more CEO-style leaning. But um, I think any of them, uh, you know, have a real possibility. And, you know, the other thing, because I'm all about winnowing down the field, the other thing last night was that, that if Trump were, were watching that, he should be nervous because guess what? We winnowed the field down last night, right? We went from 12 other candidates down to eight. Um, and then, you know, somewhere in the late November, early December time frame, if there's a couple candidates still not doing very well, low single digits, let's say, they're going to have to kind of drop out of the race. So we hit Iowa with uh, four or five candidates, New Hampshire with three or four candidates. And then when it's one-on-one, -on -one, he loses, right? Because by that time, there's, there's momentum in politics. There's people getting galvanized and excited about some of these final candidates to really take Trump on in the nomination. And then he's on his heels. They're moving forward. That's, that's a really positive opportunity uh, to not just uh, beat Donald Trump, but take the party back, right? Like I say, America, uh, Republicans are trying to save America. Donald Trump's trying to save himself. And, and have, God bless him. Have at it. He's getting the four indictments the politicalization of the of the Department of Justice and what's going on in Georgia and Florida. He's got to deal with all that. Why do we? Why do we have to be dragged into his drama? We have so much opportunity, so many other good candidates. And again, last night was just a, a great opportunity to see it on stage, for real. When you talk about the candidates who you saw on stage who you think did do well, uh, uh, you agree with the general consensus that the people who may have gained the most included uh, former Governor uh, Nikki Haley of uh, South Carolina and, and the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, and uh, the former vice president, Mike Pence? Absolutely. Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, vice, the vice president and Nikki Haley's campaigns are good campaigns, but they've been a little quiet lately. But last night they showed a lot of passion, a lot of a lot of expertise. They really took it. They they showed they can be. They they have that leadership credential, if you will. 
I thought DeSantis did very well. They didn't really attack him, so he took the opportunity and just laid his case out, reminded folks why he's the number two guy. And even Vivek, even though he was attacked quite a bit, to his credit, I mean, he didn't blow it, right? That's the three things you want to do in a debate as someone who's been on the stage. And one, don't blow it, right? Don't don't melt down. Don't be that guy. Um, number two is get as much airtime as possible. And Vivek got a lot of airtime. And number three is be talked about the next day. And we're all talking about him the next day. So in those cases, even though he was attacked quite a bit, um, he should be happy because there's a lot of folks that don't didn't know his name before, uh, a little more introduced to him now. And I think those four did very, very well. Well, dear uh, colleague, and I know you know him because governors know each other, and there were six people up there out of the eight who either are governors now or have been governors. Uh, but Doug Burgum, uh, uh, actually un- unknown to most Americans, and uh, did a very credible presentation of himself, but that campaign doesn't look like it's going anywhere, does it? Well, I wouldn't say that. So, first of all, God bless Doug. The guy blew out a, his Achilles and was still on the stage. I think Doug and even Asa, they did very, a very good job. And Tim Scott did as well. They just weren't pushy enough. They had a great message, um, didn't quite push themselves into the conversation. I want to say they only had about eight or eight and a half minutes of total speaking time each, whereas the others had more like 12, 12 and a half, and a little more fiery. So I think their message was really strong but didn't quite force themselves into the conversation. But my sense is they'll be there in the next debate or two, and especially Governor Bergen will have a real opportunity to do that. And uh, should his legs should be feeling, uh, feeling better. Uh, a, a number of people have talked about some of the candidates who are up there, including people like uh, uh, Governor Haley and uh, Ambassador Haley and Senator Scott and others, that what they're really going for, they're auditioning for vice president uh, with uh, with Donald Trump. Do you think that's fair? Uh, not with those two, no. No, I mean, you could make the case for Vivek. I mean, I, I've asked them that uh, straight up. I've asked them all that question straight up. Um, I think they all need to show keep showing separation. Nikki Haley definitely showed some separation from the former president. Um, I think Tim Scott's trying to do that a little bit now, and, and Vivek will need to do that eventually. Because if you're just running for, for the vice presidency, people can see through that, right? They can, they can kind of smell that a mile away. And so they're really going to have to, at, at, at the right time, show some separation. They don't need to go nuclear, I don't think, on the former <laughs> president like, like Chris Christie does. Chris has his own style, and, and I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. I do. But, you know, I told Vivek once, I said, look, you just got to razz him. I said, the guy is twice your age. He's yesterday's news. You're, you know, a next generation guy. Go after that. Show that separation. Same with Nikki. You know, you work for him, but you're clearly not aligned with with uh, how he's dragging the party down. Show that separation. I think she did it. So they all have to do it and kind of find their own time to do it and, and, and in their own way. But it's got to be done. Otherwise, people will just dismiss you as being the uh, the number two person. Uh, last question. Uh, what's the main reason you're not running? Uh, boy, I tell you what, look, I'm having a lot more fun doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, it, w- it would have been, my, as my wife said, oh, my God, what if you won? <laughs> right? It's hard on family. That kind of life is, is hard on family. And, um, and I'm still going to stay in the mix. I'm, I, I can be a little more unleashed doing what I'm doing right now. And I, I just want to help all the candidates be the best version of themselves to raise the Republican Party as a whole. Well, God bless you. Please come back. Unleash yourself again on the Michael Medved Show. 
Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire, one of our outstanding Republican leaders for the future, and he really is. Uh, we will be right back with more on the debate and the Trump-Tucker uh, show coming up on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, one of the things that Vivek Ramaswamy did last night that uh, I think most people would respond to positively, he talked about uh, the need for civic education. Uh, he made, made the case that, uh, that when his mother became a U.S. citizen, uh, she, of course, like all naturalized citizens, like my mother, like all of my grandparents, uh, when they became citizens, they had to pass a test that showed they knew something about U.S. history. The interesting thing was that talking about all of that, uh, Vivek made um, <laughs> a mistake of his own. He, uh, he talked about the Constitution and the U.S. Revolution. A little bit of a muddle. Uh, this is clip 17. And the U.S. Constitution, it is the strongest guarantor of freedom in human history. That is what won us the American Revolution. Okay, the Constitution did not win us the American Revolution. The Revolution was won in 1781, the Treaty of Paris that finished the Revolution formally was 1783. The Constitution was only drafted in 1787, four years later. And uh, what they recognized is that in order to protect the revolution they needed that constitution it wasn't going to happen with the articles of confederation uh, he also uh, gave a, a historical uh, a praise that uh, I think a lot of people might have trouble with about President Trump's place in history uh, this is clip 12 Vivek Ramaswamy last night at the debate now let's just speak the truth okay President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie, honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. And if people at home want to see a bunch of people blindly bashing... Donald Trump without an iota of vision for this country, they could just change the channel to MSNBC right now. But I'm not running for president of MSNBC. I am running for president of the United States. We're skating on thin ice, and we cannot set a precedent where the party in power uses police force to indict its political opponents. It is wrong. We have to end the weaponization of justice in this country. 30 seconds, Governor DeSantis. You know, let me take no, no, I'm sorry. 30 seconds, Governor You make me laugh because you sit, you, sit, you sit here in an answer. You sit here in an answer right You sit here and answer. Go ahead, Governor Christie. Hold on, Governor Christie. Hold on. Okay, uh, the uh, response from Governor Christie uh, didn't really come out because he was so heavily booed. The, the one thing that is important to keep in mind is there have only been, uh, what is it, a total of 
three presidents in the 20th century. Biden is a 21st century. And when he says Trump is the best president of the 21st century, what he's saying is his belief that uh, Trump counts as a better president than George W. Bush, uh, Barack Obama, and uh, Joe Biden. And, okay, you can make that argument. Uh, and uh, that was certainly uh, uh, Vivek's argument. But uh, in terms of issues, uh, that that's where the... Uh, the entire evening, it seems to me, uh, ran into a problem for Vi Vivek uh, Ramaswamy. First of all, here's Christie's response after the booings uh, calmed down. Uh, listen. You sit here talking about how you want to stand up for the rule of law. Yes. And law and order. And the fact is that it can't be selective. In your book, you had much different things to say about Donald Trump than you're saying here tonight. That's and, not true. Well, it is very true. That is not it's true. It's very true. I read it. Because and there's I a know, difference look, between I bad behavior and illegal behavior, way, Chris. And you as a prosecutor way, should know yeah, better. Yeah, I, you know what? I know a lot there's better. There's a difference between I bad know, behavior. And I know a lot better than you do. You've never done it like you've never done anything to try to advance the interests of this government except to put yourself forward as a candidate tonight. And here's the thing. We stood up for law and order. I did it as U.S. attorney. I did it as governor. And I am not going to bow to anyone when we have a president of the United States who disrespects the Constitution. Okay. Then uh, Vivek uh, attacking now his fellow politicians and spirited as he was all evening and articulate. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy talking about U.S. politicians and Ukraine. Listen, this clip 11. Is there anyone on stage who would not support the increase of more funding to Ukraine? We would, would not support it. Europe needs to step up. I mean, I would have Europe step up and do their job. Right, Mr. Ramaswamy, Mr. Ramaswamy, you would not support an increase of funding to Ukraine? I would not. And I think that this is disastrous that we are protecting against an invasion across somebody else's border when we should use those same military resources to prevent across the invasion of our own southern border here in the United States of America. We are driving Russia further into China's hands. The Russia-China alliance is the single greatest threat we face. And I find it offensive that we have professional politicians on the stage that will make a pilgrimage to Kiev, to their Pope, Zelensky, without doing the same thing for people in Maui or the south side of Chicago okay. right, or right. Kensington. Okay, and uh, Mike Pence uh, gave a response uh, to Vivek on the issue of Ukraine. Clip 16. Anybody that thinks that we can't solve the problems here in the United States and be the leader of the free world has a pretty small view of the greatest nation on earth. That is incorrect. We can do both, Vivek. We've done both. We've been the leader of the free world and the arsenal of democracy for years. The Reagan doctrine years ago made it clear. We said, if you're willing to fight the communists on your soil, we'll give you the means to fight them there so our troops don't have to fight them. Vivek, if we do the giveaway that you want to give to Putin to give him his land, it's not going to be too long before he rolls across a NATO border, and frankly, our men and women of our armed forces are going to have to go and fight him. I want to let the Ukrainians fight and drive Putin and the Russians back out and uh, Nikki Haley also took Vivek on uh, passionately and I think effectively on the issue of Ukraine. This is clip nine. 
a win for Russia is a win for China. We have to know that. Ukraine is the first line of defense for us. And the problem that Vivek doesn't understand is he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia. He wants to let China eat Taiwan. He wants to go and stop funding Israel. You don't do that to friends. What you do instead is you have the backs of your friends. Ukraine is a front line of defense. Putin has said, once Russia takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. That's a world war. We're trying to prevent war. Look at what Putin did today. He killed Pergozin. When I was at the UN, the Russian ambassador suddenly died. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a pro-American country. First of all, first of all, first of all, Mr. Ramaswamy, you have 30 seconds. Mr. Dissent, you know, Nikki, I wish you well answer. in your future career on the boards of Lockheed and Raytheon. You know, I'm not on but the, the fact of, of the Lockheed matter, and and you know, Boeing you came off of it, but you've been pushing this lie. Stage, you've been pushing this lie all week, Nikki. You want Nikki. to go and defund Israel? This, you want to okay, give let me address that. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to address each of those right now. This is the false lies of a professional politician. There you have it. So you the reality make America is, less safe. you have no foreign me, policy experience, and it shows. And you, know- uh, you have no foreign policy experience, and it shows. Um, in any event, it was uh, a spirited at that point, and uh, I, I do believe that the, uh, as the polls indicate, uh, there, there are members of the Republican Party, there are leaders in the Republican Party who question our support for Ukraine. But one of the interesting things is the among the fact checks that has emerged after the debate is part of what uh, DeSantis said is he wants Europe to step up more in doing their bit for Ukraine. There are 11 NATO nations of the 30 NATO nations that actually are spending a higher percentage of their national economy. Uh, to help Ukraine than the United States. Uh, We are, because we're the biggest economy and we're the biggest military power, we, of course, are playing the leading role. But it simply isn't fair in this particular case to say that nations like uh, Germany, like Poland, like Czechoslovakia, like Slovakia, Slovakia, which is a small piece of what used to be Czechoslovakia, Slovakia gave jets to the Ukraine to help them in the fight for freedom and for decency, which seems to me eminently a fight worth maintaining and winning for the sake uh, of this greatest nation on God's green earth.